This is Research Software Engineer Stories, coming straight at you from USRSC, the U.S. Research Software Engineer Association. Welcome to RSC Stories. I'm Vanessa Sockett, and joining me today is Megan Finney, a recent graduate of Iowa State University that I've had the pleasure of seeing some of her work studying container technologies. So Megan, I am purposefully not saying anything beyond that because I know recently you had some exciting news and I'm hoping we could start by sharing that. Yes. Yeah, I'm very excited to be getting a full-time position at Los Alamos Lab after I graduated in May. So very excited to be continuing my work. Woohoo! And huge congratulations. This Thanks. is your first job out of college. And I remember my first job out of college and I was like through the moon. And so now that we sort of know the end of the story, do you want to kind of step back and tell us how you first got interested in this kind of work and you found Los Alamos? So boy, way, way back, I really only got introduced to coding in middle school or even like the realm of technology because my middle school homeroom teacher had it. He started an afternoon club and did coding and he basically highly, highly suggested it that I would come and take it. And it was the best experience of my life. Was I the only girl? Yes. And I did not care. I never had so much fun just playing on a computer for hours on end. From there, I realized my school had absolutely no coding classes. So I was hunting them out and trying to learn as much as I can on my own. So I ended up taking classes at the community college. I say middle school homeroom teacher actually fought to start an actual class at my high school. Basically tried to absorb as much as I humanly can in my hometown that wasn't, that was not super big on having coding classes. So I ended up going to Iowa State for computer engineering because someone told me that'd be a good major for me and I said okay, um, which is really good because after I know all the majors and kind of all the different paths I could have taken, that was definitely the best path for me. And the, how I kind of got into the world of Los Alamos Lab is kind of on accident. Like really, it was kind of me just trying to like get through the day. I ended up being able to go to Grace Hopper Celebration in 2019. So pre-COVID, so it was in person. There was some confusion with the sign up with kind of the university grant side of things. So I only found out I was able to go like the week before. So in kind of the Grace Hopper world, that is pretty, pretty late because all the other students I was going with have like been preparing for this since the summer before. And it is now the week before in October. Everybody else I know that got there had like interviews lined up, had their full schedule kind of prepared. And I spent that entire week running around making sure I had enough business casual outfits, rescheduling exams, getting my shifts covered at work. So I came in pretty blind, which would not recommend. So I kind of ended up just thinking, walking into this ginormous career fair, the most intimidating thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And just thinking, okay, let's, let's start with some small tables here. So I was just like scared little sophomore student me was just wandering around trying to find small companies that didn't look super scary. And I found Lanel's table because they had this really funky looking pen. I don't know why, but I wanted that pen. So I went over to talk to them. And that was the first time I even heard of like high performance computing, which sounds really silly now, as that's all 
my energy has been towards. Since then, and I heard about the Supercomputing Institute, which is their summer program for college students to kind of introduce them to the realm of supercomputing. I interviewed the next day, got that internship on the spot, and then kind of the rest is history. Obviously, after October 2019, soon after the pandemic hit, so I was the first group that had the virtual internship. I'm very, very grateful that they're able to make it work because from there, I was able to get so much opportunities from that. Wow. So basically, you're saying you can trace your entire first job opportunity back to a really cool pen. Yes. And I still have the pen, even though it is very much broken and does not work and it's kind of falling apart. Oh, you totally have to put it on a little pedestal and keep it forever. I remember back when I was in college or grad school going to a career fair, and I really didn't know what was going on. You know, I would just wander around and kind of look for cool swag. So everyone listening who does this recruiting thing, this is like an attestment that like the cool pens are worth it because Los almost got Megan and she's amazing. If you kind of think back to your first experience programming, do you remember the first kind of scripts that you wrote? I feel like this was like everybody's first kind of script. It was Java and it was just Hello World. And I remember thinking that was so cool. I got to print on the screen. But obviously now knowing what I do, that's kind of the first intro coding assignment for everyone. And it's so great that you've basically kind of changed the structure of your original school so that future people will have the an easier opportunity getting into programming. I know I'm forever grateful for my middle school homeroom teacher for kind of introducing me and also making me want to keep continuing back to take more classes. Yeah, so shout out to Megan's middle school teacher. (laughs) Did you have experience using the computational resources at your university or did you mostly just do stuff at the national lab? I mostly do stuff at the national lab. There's very minimal overlap between what I'm doing in my classes and what I'm doing at the lab, which is very interesting. But yeah, all the computational stuff, supercomputing stuff, only done through lab resources. That's really interesting. Do you know if your university does have resources if people want to, you know, run something at scale? They do have resources. I have, I have messed around with it. I just know high-performance computing is not the most popular kind of topic at the school I'm at, as the classes I keep wanting to take in the research area I'm in keep getting canceled due to lack of interest. But I keep trying to find ways to keep the projects I'm working on with my classes, at least as related as humanly possible to what I'm working on with the lab. So once you sort of identified that you had this interest, did you kind of go back to college and try to kind of change your classes or look for something different or there was there just not enough time left? Oh, yes. I rethought my entire college plan. I think I came in thinking that I was going to do embedded systems. I still love embedded systems. It was still one of my favorite classes, but I definitely realized that's not something I want to do after graduation. So I kind of shifted to classes that I would see more relevant. So I've been taking a bit more security and networking classes, more software development type classes. Do you find that classes in university for software development are sort of geared toward people like applying to big tech companies? Like, is there any kind of awareness in those classes? Like, oh, you could work in high performance computing or at a national lab. Like there's all these different opportunities for someone that knows how to write code. Yeah, I think at Iowa State specifically, 
the companies that come to hire Iowa State students, majority of them are like tech companies. So there isn't a huge focus on lab work or research focus. It's mostly working in big tech companies. So now's probably a good time to ask you, are you familiar with the term research software engineer? And do you think that relates to what you do? I have heard that term before. I think I sort of do. I think different people have different kind of definitions in terms of like software developer research. So I've heard some points where software developer research Here's working on a project, it's not really research versus coming up with new ideas. So I think depending on what your mindset is on the term research relation to software development, yes, I do that in a way. The research part is what gets me excited. I think scouring the internet to find resources and libraries and different ideas is the favorite aspect of what I do. So let's kind of change the focus a little bit. Can you tell us about the project that you worked on during your internship? Yes. So I worked on the Charlie Cloud project, which is LANL's container implementation. So the particular project that I worked on was SquashFS container workflow for Charlie Cloud. It's actually a project I started summer 2020 and only, and I finished it last fall. So this was like a year and a half, two years in the process. And it was super fun because I got to dig in in all parts of the code in order to like incorporate the library, make sure the workflow works without breaking the other code. So now Charlie Cloud has a full SquashFS workflow, which is pretty awesome. So for our listeners, can you tell us what is SquashFS? Yeah, SquashFS is pretty much a morph HPC friendly version of a tarball. It's just a pretty nice file system. Okay, that works. I can add that SquashFS is read-only, and if you're familiar with container technologies, there's one called Singularity that has a SIF file type, and that is also SquashFS. And actually, just like this week, Podman added support so that you can sort of run a SIF. How does Charlie Cloud SquashFS relate to like the other SquashFS binaries that could be produced by other container technologies? Could I run like a SIF with Charlie Cloud? In theory, yes, I think you should be able to uh, run it with any SquashFS file system. You just integrated the libraries in there. So in theory, it should all work, but obviously you need to test more. That is super cool. So when you think about container technologies, do you have favorite things about them? Yeah, so this particular project was one I was just randomly assigned to with summer school program. I really like it. I think it's super cool. But something I've recently kind of learned about myself is I care more about the people I work with versus the actual project I'm on. So I can get equally excited as I do for working on Charlie Cloud as I do anything if I'm working with great people. That is a fantastic quality to have. So speaking of working with people, what has it been like working during the pandemic? And what's your plan moving forward when you start full time, given that we're still in a pandemic? Yeah, working through the pandemic, as I'm sure it was for everyone, was just pure, it was wild, it was crazy. I think particularly since I was the first go around with a completely online summer school, there were lots of hiccups in the road and that they dealt with so nicely. So I think everything was wild. I am a college student, so I was back home during that first run of the summer school and 
my work setup was the best it could have been to say the least but I don't have very good wi-fi back home so it cut out once a day I would have to go drive to other family members houses when it went out really bad to try to get some work done for the day I'd constantly get interrupted by my sister's online dance classes that are happening right below me so the work setup has been was insane that first summer just because we're all crammed into our small little townhouse from that experience, I definitely learned what my best work setup is, and I try to do that the best I can kind of now as I'm working back at my university. My current plan, I believe, when I officially work at the lab full-time is hybrid, so it can change any day, as we all know. But I think I should be able to work in person half and online virtually for the other half, which is kind of nice. Oh, I really hope COVID goes away so that you can do that. It, it's really fun when you start a new job and you get to be there in person. So I have to ask, and I, you probably hate this question, but a big decision when you're finishing college is kind of thinking about graduate school. Is this something that you thought about when you were thinking about your next step? Yes, it was. It was actually, so I was working on my old notebook. So I write down everything I'm thinking in terms of life. I was looking because I was at one point thinking grad school, but then I was like, no, maybe I'll just go and get a PhD just because financially that makes more sense. But then after talking it out, I met with professors from different programs. I realized the reasons I would go and get a master's PhD right after I'm done with my bachelor's was just for the sake of getting one of those further degrees. I did not have a set research interest or focus in mind. So that's kind of how I ended up getting a job right after getting a bachelor's. But I can definitely see myself going on to get further degree down the line when maybe I have a bit more of a refined focus area. Yeah, and that is a great plan. You know, I was in the same boat. I graduated and I was like, I kind of like learning and I think I want to go to graduate school. I don't know what I want to go in. So I actually worked for two years and then I was like, okay, I know the thing I want to do now. And it, everything sort of made sense. So have you gotten the chance to attend virtually any of the major HPC conferences? So for example, PERC or supercomputing? Yes, I did get to attend supercomputing virtually last year as I was a part of the virtual cluster competition. And this year I was actually fortunate enough to go in person as a student volunteer, which was the most fun experience I've ever had. Oh, gosh. Please tell us a little bit about the cluster competition and then what it's like to be a student volunteer. Yeah, the cluster competition was interesting because I did not do it through my college. I did it through actually North Carolina State with someone I met at the lab. He was looking for one more person for his team. I was like, I, I really want to continue learning about clusters and all that jazz. So I joined his team. It was very interesting because, of course, we're working in a remote setting in different time zones, but it was a very chaotic experience. You have to configure and create a virtual cluster in three days, I believe it was that year. And then we have all of these different benchmarks you have to make. And I was in charge of the reproducibility part. So I had to run this application, get the proper output, and then write a paper about what I did. It was one of those projects where you feel like you're going insane for those three days, but then once you submit and it's done, it's kind of a whole sense of relief. And then you really get to realize how much cool stuff you did in such a short amount of time. And the following year as a student volunteer, 
it was super interesting as it was hybrid. So in person, there was not that many people as in previous years. So I got to know the student volunteers really, really well. Like I was just messaging all these people I met last November, like right before I hopped on this call. So I think I got to know a lot more students with similar interests to mine, which was so cool as kind of my path is not a very common one back here in Iowa. That is fantastic. So I was about to ask you what your favorite things are about the HPC community, but having talked to you a little bit, I would guess that you really enjoy like interacting with the people and then the projects are super cool too, but it's, it's really about the people. Yes, 100%. I think also kind of in the realm of HPC, I kind of appreciate that the whole goal of HPC and kind of the technology side of it, that the goal is just to create creative environments with scientists to run the research. So you're doing work that's used for good, using to actually help the world in theory, hopefully. So I think kind of all those different aspects are things I enjoy. To kind of flip to the other side of the coin, what are the biggest challenges that you think our community faces? Well, the first one that comes to my mind is lack of diversity, particularly this gender representation. I think female in tech and kind of keeping women in the pipeline is something I am very passionate about and do a lot of work with at my college. So that is something that definitely needs to work on, not only in HBC, but really the entire realm of computing. I totally agree. So have you gotten a chance to kind of look around at other projects that are in the HPC space? And is there a specific kind of technology or thing that you haven't gotten to try yet that you'd really like to? I think kind of between the cluster competition, the supercomputing summer school, I kind of got to put my hands in a little bit of everything, not as big of a deep dive as I would like for some things. But I think overall, I really just enjoy during talks, even if I can't dig in as much as I like to due to lack of resources. But I think overall, I think I've gotten to learn a lot of things, at least a little bit. That is really fantastic. So we're coming up on time. I have just a few more questions. So first, I don't know anything about Iowa State. Can you tell us what it's like to be a student there? Yes, Iowa State's a very interesting this university because it's so heavily on engineering. So kind of the engineering aspect is crazy. They have the mo one of the pretty intense career fairs where everyone pre-COVID is shoved into the basketball stadium with different companies hiring, filling the entire huge stadium. Iowa State, I feel like is definitely a go big or go home kind of university. So everything they do is big. So all the projects we do are pretty big. And overall, I really enjoyed being at Iowa State. I have seen some, well, I guess I saw one of your fabulous presentations and the colors and the layout and everything about the slides was just fantastic. It really stood out as a presentation that is interesting to see and interesting to watch. So I want to ask you, do you have sort of a, a set of tips that you could give our listeners for how to make an awesome presentation? Yes, of course. I have to say all of my presentation skills are all owed to Reed Podorsky, who has given me pages and pages and pages of notes for every presentation I give. The biggest thing I think in presentations is something I've noticed that bugs me now. Presentations can still be informative and still be interesting to look at. 
you do not need to have like eight bullet points with just pure information the entire slide. It's okay to have like a funny GIF or a meme on the slide just to keep people watching interested. Because I think kind of having kind of the interesting thing not only makes your presentation stand out, keeps people listening, intrigued enough to see, to continue listening and not dozing off in the corner. Alrighty, last question. When you aren't working, or I guess as a student doing sort of class stuff, what do you like to do in your free time? I am actually heavily involved in the dance program on campus. So like as soon as we hop off on this call, I'll be heading down to the dance studio on campus and we'll be there for the rest of the day. I am there organizing classes. We have a dance conference in a couple of weeks, organizing that, taking classes, teaching classes which I think it's really fun because it's the complete opposite of what I do like, for my job and classes. I don't know the answer, but I wonder if your lab will have like dance class or like a dance group. I don't know if you've looked into that. I've looked into dance a little bit. I have to stop myself, otherwise I get too distracted with other things I'm supposed to be doing. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Megan, it was such a pleasure speaking to you. Your energy is really infectious and selfishly, I'm overjoyed that you're joining our national lab community because we definitely need more people like yourself. Congratulations again on your new role. Fingers crossed that COVID is eventually going to go away. I feel like I've said that before and I, I hope it doesn't come back to bite me. And thank you for joining us today on RSE Stories. Yes, thanks for having me.